the Sports Talk Podcast with Ryan Foran, giving you the hottest sports takes in town. You can reach Ryan through Facebook, email, and Twitter. Now it's time to start the show. Here's Ryan. What is going on, everybody? We are officially back, summer of 2013, with the Sports Talk podcast. New theme song, new intro. I hope that you like it. We are officially back here, summer of 2013, officially getting underway here with the Sports Talk podcast. So glad to be back here on podbean.com. So glad you could be joining me today. I think it was about a few months ago. I believe it was over spring break in March, which was the last time that I did a show Again, thank you all for joining me, and I hope that you enjoy the show today. And um, like I said, the last time I did it was March, was doing live shows on Newberry College Radio. If you were missing those, which I know it was a little bit of a hard time slot, uh, maybe I'll switch that up when I go back to school in the fall. I know 11 a.m. on Fridays was kind of tough for some people, so uh, maybe I'll change that back when I get to school. But at least uh, for the next few months, for the foreseeable future, over the summer months, you're going to have at least one new Sports Talk podcast episode uploaded every single week. And boy, I mean, there's a lot to get to. I'm not going to discuss everything that happened since the last time I did a show. This is going to be a heavy, heavy Bruins show. It's been a while since it was the end of the regular season, the last time that I did a show here on the podcast. And I actually did not do a live show talking about any playoff games or matchups. It was after when the playoffs started that I actually... um stop doing shows, so I did not get to talk about any playoffs, so I just want to open up the show talking about some Bruins stuff, you know, what I've seen from the playoffs from them so far, the Toronto series, the New York series, I'm going to focus more on the the New York series and try not to trudge up what seems like, you know, ancient history at this point with the Toronto series, then I want to get into a little bit of a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Bruins and the Penguins, give you some matchups to look forward to, my predictions on the series, and then the talk to take, if we have time, if we get to it, I want to discuss some things going on in the NBA. I know, me talking NBA, it's crazy. Um, but we uh, hopefully will be able to get to that at the end of the show. First things first, if you enjoy anything on the show and you want to talk about it, please send me over a tweet, at SportsTalkRF on Twitter. And you can also hit me up on my personal Twitter account, at Ryan underscore Ferran12. Got something else to mention at the end of the show today. Hint, hint, it's another YouTube thing. I know last summer, if, you, if you're a long listener in the Sports Talk podcast, I, I announced something over the summer last year with YouTube, announcing something new, but this time it's a lot better. Um, and you can also find the show on iTunes. Just search Sports Talk with Ryan Ferran on iTunes. You'll find all of the episodes in one convenient place. The newest episodes uploaded and updated on iTunes. Download them. That way you can listen to Sports Talk wherever you go. The car, the train, you know, whatever. All right, so let's get right into it here. Bruins in the playoffs. And let's start with the way that they look. Let's start with the way they opened up the playoffs this year against Toronto. Now, if you were listening to some of my last live shows, I was railing on the Bruins hard at the end of that regular season because they just looked god-awful at the end of the regular season. I, I, I was said it on the show. I'll say it again. They played like ass at the end of the regular season. They just played like ass. I mean, they were terrible. And one of the things that happens with this Bruins team when they just when they're not playing inspired hockey, they turn the puck over, and that was one of the things I was talking about over and over again. Turn the puck over, not responsible with it in the attacking zone, neutral zone, doesn't matter where they are with it on the ice, can't put the puck in the net, 
no forecheck to speak of at all. And so when they're not grinding, when they're not skating, and they're not playing with that edge, boy, are they not a good team when when, it all, when it's all said and done. But before I get to that, that's what they looked like at points throughout that Toronto series. Game one was pretty good. You know, it was 4-1 game. And then game two, they played like ass again. Didn't even show up in game two. Same sort of thing with game five. Didn't show, did not show up. Game six, they lost two nothing. They were, they were, they played good, but you know that urgency that you see in them now, it just wasn't there. And then of course you had game seven. Game seven ultimately was one of the best things I've ever seen in sports. Probably the best thing I've ever seen in sports. It's just amazing. And I'm, you know, everyone's seen it time and time again. I cannot stop watching the YouTube video when Bergeron scores the tying goal. I mean, the tying goal is the more important piece of history to me because nobody expected the tying goal because they're down 4-1 Nathan Horn scores at eh, 4-2 Milan Lucic scores up oh, they're gonna lose 4-3 I like you know I wasn't even affected I was just sitting back in my chair you know watching the game with my dad I was just sitting back in the chair and when Nathan Horn scored nothing no emotion when Milan Lucic scored nothing no emotion so I was really not expecting the Patrice Bergeron goal to go in so when it did go in I was not ready for it. I was just sitting back, not ready at all, complacent. I had already been through the process of, well, they're going to lose, who's going, who's staying, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was, I just jumped out of my chair, lifted completely off the ground, <laughs> and it's weird because, you know, you're just, you know, you're just laying back in your chair, and all of a sudden, you jump up. The overtime goal, you know, you're ready. You know, you're on the edge of your seat, so the, the game tire is the more important goal to me, and that was the moment when they started to play with that edge again. That momentum of coming back by being down three goals, and the way that they scored the goals, the Milan-Lucic goal, and, you know, all of them. But, I mean, especially the Lucic goal, especially the game tire. The way that they get goals on this team, they don't have the snipers, they don't have the Crosby, the Malkin, and believe me, we'll get to those guys soon. They don't have that. So what they have to do is they have to get the grimy, dirty, greasy goals and they have to set it up. They have to move the puck around. You know, it's Patrice Bergeron. It's Patrice Ber- I love Patrice Bergeron. Is he a gifted sniper goal scorer? No. But you see that he was able to put it in the back of the net. And that's just the way the Bruins do it. They set it up in the umbrella and they fire away. And so, you know, that's Bruins hockey right there. When they're not doing that, they're not good. And they're not winning. So that was the momentum that they needed to shift the series, really, and to shift them, and to get their heads straight, and that was really what I had hoped. Go after that game, I was like, hopefully they wake the hell up now, and they did, and they obliterated the Rangers. I mean, at least for me, no question that they dominated the Rangers that entire series. I thought the Rangers were much better than that. There were a 7C going in, but all you could hear about from people was, oh, it's the Rangers, you know, you don't want to go face the Rangers, they're dangerous, you don't know, you know, nope, the Rangers, they're not good. They sucked. The Rangers were terrible. And maybe it was because of Coach John Tortorella. And maybe it is that defensive style that lost it. I don't know why. But they were just, they were terrible. They were, they were terrible. The Bruins manhandled and controlled that series all the way through. When you look back on it, on that game four, you can obviously say now that that's a fluke. And that's what it was. If the Bruins had lost game five... And then all of a sudden it's game six and it's a win and then it's back for game seven. Then then it's a problem. But when you look back on that series, yeah, it wasn't a sweep. You'll look back on that game four. Ah, oh, it was a fluke. Yeah, Tuka Rask. Yeah, he fell. 
who really cares? It was just a fluke anyways because they lost in the next game. And it proves even further that the Bruins went out there on home ice and dominated. When is the last time the Bruins ever won a closeout game? It dominated. And by me saying dominated, I know that a lot of these games were not really lopsided. The only lopsided game was really game two when they won 5-2. to two. I'm not, I don't mean like dominating on the score sheet. I don't mean like, oh yeah, we kicked your ass. We got, you know, we won 10 to nothing. Or like Pittsburgh and Ottawa, we won back-to-back games 7 to 2. I'm not saying that. I just mean the way that the game was played, going into the boards, being physical, forecheck, everything. The Bruins just dominated. They really did. And so go back and watch those games. Non-existent forecheck from the New York Rangers, especially in game five. That whole game was played in the Rangers zone the entire way. And it was almost like a breath of fresh air for the Rangers when they finally got into the attacking zone. No forecheck whatsoever. They couldn't sustain offense at all. And it really did end up costing them. And so maybe it, maybe it wasn't that focus that I was just talking about from the Toronto series. Maybe it wasn't the momentum or the focus or the edge. And maybe it was just because New York was just a bad team. But I think... The end of that Toronto series with the Game 7, it really propelled them through the five games with the Rangers. Because, and you have to admit it too, you were thinking, oh, geez, Rangers, you know, Nash, Callahan, you know, Brad Richards is on that team, got some snipers, got some good offense, you know, good skilled players. Burns going to have a tough time. And they came up huge. And Maybe it is the John Tortorella factor because he has these guys. He has Rick Nash, one of the most gifted athletes in the sport of hockey. One of the best goal scorers you can find. And still, defensive style, doesn't open it up, doesn't let his players, his good skill players, open it up. Ryan Callahan you know, doesn't open it up. One of the best goal scorers in the league, or one of the most offensive talents in the league, Marion Gabarik, gets traded at the, at the deadline to Columbus. And it wasn't because he wasn't good. Marion Gabrick is so talented, but it was because it didn't fit into John Tortorella's system. If he had just opened it up every once in a while, and he played more open, that power play would be spectacular. Rick Nash, Marion Gabrick, if they still had him, Brad Richards, Ryan Callahan, good God. But again, it's that defensive system. So I think that's really why the Rangers lost. I think if they get a coach in there that's going to open it up just a little bit more, well, what am I talking about? John Tortorell sucked, so opening it up a lot more and giving Rick Nash some room to move and more of those other goal scorers, I mean, that'll go a long way. Uh, this shifted into a Rangers discussion all of a sudden, but um, it, it certainly did play into the Bruins' hands um, in that series. Another couple of key factors for that series, Tory Krug in the fourth line, and Tory Krug, let's start with him, unbelievable effort from that kid, seemingly coming out of nowhere, scoring left and right, the thing I love about it, and I tweeted this out during Game 5, it's a defenseman on the Bruins that actually puts the puck on net. Like, what a concept. Like, a guy that can actually put an effort to the power play and try to move. And, I mean, he took it. It was a play, I believe it was Game 5, or it was either Game 3 or Game 5. He took it from the left point all the way over, through the slot, over to the right faceoff dot, holding it. It's just like... I just jumped out of my seat because it's like you never see a Bruins defenseman do that. And it's not the Claude way of being responsible. It's something new and it's, you know, it's fresh. And I love that the Bruins capitalized on that throughout the Rangers series. And they left him out there in New York, just didn't have an answer for Tory Krug. And they also didn't have an answer for the Bruins' fourth line. The Bruins' fourth line dominated. And Tor- John Tortorella in Game 4 and Game 5 tried to get some other guys in there like Dorsett and Chris Newberry. 
but eh, they, they just couldn't do it. And all Dorsett was trying to do was just trying to antagonize, and that wasn't going to work against the Bruins. So it didn't really work out for John Tortorella and the Rangers because they just did not have an answer for that fourth line. And the fourth line, to their credit, man, the Merlot line, whatever you want to call them, they were out of this world. And, you know, I always say Daniel Paye is the best penalty killer that I have ever seen. I mean, shorties left and right from that guy. The speed on Daniel Paye is so, so, oh, my God, it's amazing. And then you have, you know, great, tough players. Not that Daniel Paye isn't tough because he is. But to go along with the toughness of Paye, you have Campbell, you have Thornton going into the boards, getting those greasy goals in front. So that mixed with the Tory Krug, along with the uninspired play from the Rangers, and maybe it was the coaching, who knows, but it was a good matchup for the Bruins. Who could have thought that going into the series, but it ended up being a good matchup. And so this is what brings me to my point. When everyone's grinding, it truly makes the Bruins' offense run well. As far as the individual performances went throughout uh, the first couple rounds, Milan Lucic, he was amazing. He was spectacular. Uh, you know, Especially at the end of the Toronto series, game number six, he got that goal at the end uh, of game number six, so they ended up losing two to one. Net presence, you know, drove right to the uh, right into the crease, got that nice dirty goal at the end of the game. Didn't really matter. Got the goal in game number seven to make a four three again in front of the net, driving and but I mean he's been hitting guys. He was hitting guys all series against the Rangers. Tough physical. The ass kicker is back, and it's Milan Lucic. And, he, and when he is the ass kicker unbelievable and you gotta love it because he's going he's grinding and he's doing what he has to do is he the most gifted goal scorer no but he can certainly put the puck in the net but along with that offensive skill you want him more and you value him more when he's hitting guys and he's kicking ass out there and that's exactly what he's doing and I you know I gotta give him round of applause for finally waking up because if you heard my shows at the end of the regular season I was railing on Milan Lucic because he just he wasn't moving, he wasn't he just wasn't skating at all. He wasn't grinding hard, and that was a huge reason why they were terrible. And they played like ass at the end of the regular season. It was because of well, it wasn't solely because of Milan Lucic, but it was a huge reason. Now he's skating, he's grinding. It's it's a huge huge situation for the Bruins, and it's working out. A guy that I would like to see get going more, Tyler Sagan. I mean, he used to put the puck in the net. One of the things that he does, he drives to the net well. He'll get a breakaway, and or maybe not necessarily the breakaway. He'll have a defender on him, and he'll drive to the net, and he just will not put. He just won't put it on net, or he'll try to make that one extra move. He'll try to finesse that one extra move. He'll try to shake that defender behind him instead of just trying to throw it to the net. He'll try to do that one last deke, and it just never ends up working out. So who knows what's going to happen if Tyler Sagan can somehow, some way you know, bring his game up, but as far as what he's done so far, hasn't been too good. We're going to go a lot more in depth with different players who I think have been really, really good, and then I think need to step it up a lot against uh, the Penguins coming up in the next round. We're also going to get a full preview of the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins starting on Saturday night. I can't wait. I cannot wait to get it going. I just want them to drop the puck really really soon uh we're gonna have a full preview of the conference finals coming up next on sports talk
back in here on Sports Talk, giving you a full preview and predictions for the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals, the Bruins and the Penguins, of course. I do want to remind you that you can hit me up on Twitter at any time uh, with any of the stuff that we've discussed on the program so far. That is at Sports Talk RF. That's the show's Twitter page. And then you can also, if you wanted to, hit me up on my personal Twitter account, which is at Ryan underscore Ferran12. Always take followers and always take predictions at any time. So getting back into the program, getting back into uh, the prediction for the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, my overall prediction is that the Bruins, first of all, is that it's going to be a tough, physical, long series. I'm seeing a seven-gamer here, and it's it's, it's just going to be a tough, physical series. I I mean, I would have said the same thing if I was doing a show about the second round. I would have said the same thing for the Rangers and Bruins series. I would have said seven-game, easy, tough, physical series, and look, you know, the Bruins... You know, for all intents and purposes, the Bruins swept the Rangers. Five-gamer, but still, the Bruins really should have swept the Rangers, and they practically did. So, it's kind of hard to pick it, because you would have thought, Toronto, ah, Bruins will win that one five. Toronto, there's no way. They have their number, and Toronto's a young team. They, they, don't, they don't know what they're getting into in the playoffs, no way. That one goes seven games, and the Bruins, you know, were lucky to get out of that one. Next series, oh, seven-gamer, easily tough grinding series, against the Rangers, good skill on the Rangers, good skill in the Bruins, no way that's going anything less than six at least, but probably most likely seven, and it goes five games. So it's going to be tough, but more more than likely, this is going to be a long series. And ultimately, I do think that the Bruins will take this one in seven. Now, don't want you to think this is a, hon- a honky sort of, you know, a Bruins honk opinion or a homer opinion, um, because if you if you know anything about me, you know that I am not a homer, and you know that I've made predictions on this show and a lot of other shows that go against home teams and all that crap. So you know that I'm not a honk. I, that's the one thing. If there's one thing that I want to avoid while I'm doing sports talk, I do not want to be a honk. I do not want to be considered a honk or a homer. I just don't like that at all. So I'm never a honk, but in this series, I got a feeling that the Bruins are going to win. I know that it's hard, and I'm going to get into some more reasons why. That's not my only reason as to why the Bruins are going to win this series. I don't think, oh, just because I got a feeling. Like, no. I don't think that that's the only reason, but the overarching feel of it is that they, the Bruins just have that look in their eye, man. And last time they had that look in their eye was the, the, the year they won it all. They just got that look in their eye, and it started because of the Toronto thing. That started because of coming back, and that was the time where it was like they woke up and once they wake up and they're in that zone they're very hard to stop they played that dominating physical edgy game against New York I don't think they're gonna stop it against Pittsburgh and honestly I don't think Pittsburgh has ever played a team like Boston in the playoffs not to say that they haven't played some tough teams but I think that they're gonna be surprised I I really do I don't think that they're gonna walk all over the Bruins I think that the you know they're gonna come out of game one and they're going to say, whew, what do we got going on here? Who is this team? You know, I mean, the Bruins, they were 0-3 against the Penguins this season. In the regular season, they've been 1-6 against them the past couple of regular seasons. So I know that it's hard to say, well, they're going to you know, be a long, tough physical series and that they're not going to know what's coming if they've already you know beaten them a few times over the past couple of seasons and the Bruins only won once. I understand that, but at the same time, it's different. It's, I mean, it's the playoffs. It's the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, this is it. One more round into the Cup Finals and Final Four here. You know, we're in it now. I mean, this is real. You know, it stops being sort of, you know, everything, well, I should say, everything sort of comes into focus now because it's it, this is it. It's the Final Four teams. 
So it's different. It's different playing a regular season game in December than it is playing a long seven-game series in the Eastern Conference Finals months later. Playoff hockey, it's going to be different. So I think that the Bruins are definitely going to catch these guys off guard a little bit. And I also think that the Bruins are being predicted to really fail in this series. I think a lot of the national media and outside media as well is really predicting them to really just falter hard and that the Penguins are going to walk all over them. I really don't think that's going to happen. I can't see the Bruins coming all this way. The heart that they've shown and the momentum and just that edge in their game, which is so hard to stop. And I've said this a billion times. I've said this, this is my one huge point with this Bruins team. They are the best 5-on-5 team in hockey. End of discussion, end of story. The Bruins are the best 5-on-5 team in hockey. It's just, you can't beat the Bruins 5-on-5. You really, in these situations, maybe in the regular season, maybe in the early rounds, if they're not playing, but when they are on, and when they are tough, physical, playing with that edge, 5-on-5, you just can't beat them. You have to go to the power play. You have to beat them with the man advantage. And we're going to get into that power play soon of the Penguins. So you can't really beat them five on five. I just, it's, it's so, so hard to do that. So I think that there's no way that they're going to come all this way and, you know, be in this playoff form and just, you know, falter. So I don't see that happening. So like I said, I know it seems honkish, but I think that they're just playing with that edge and I think it's going to help them propel them into the finals. Now, obviously we can't, overlook the talent on Pittsburgh. You, you just can't do it. There's just too much talent. Superstars left and right, they're stacked. They are stacked. Let's, let me read you the names. You've heard them, but let me just reiterate them once more. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jerome McGinley, Brandon Morrow, Pascal Dupuis, Chris Kunitz, and James Neal. That's freaking stacked right there. Stacked! <laughs> they are all-star, you know, it's not even close. They're stacked. And so, on paper, how are the Bruins ever going to pull this out? Uh, I mean, from outsiders and from the looks of it, you know, these people are going to be like, oh, no, look at all those all-stars. There's no there's no way. So, the Bruins are going to need a huge effort to stop this force. They really are. And it's going to come, one of the main reasons is going to be Char and Seidenberg. They have to be that shutdown pairing that they were against Vancouver, against the other teams in the 2011 Stanley Cup run, they have to be that shut down 30 minutes a piece a night of on ice time per game. They're going to have to do that. They're going to have to shut down whatever line is on the ice, whatever line Danny Bilesma puts them against, whether it is the first line with Crosby, whether it's some other line, who knows. But they're going to have to shut them down, and they're going to have to be that shut down, tough, physical pairing that they were a few years ago. They're going to have to do it again. That's just, you know, they're going to have to. So that's why Seinberg is so important. And the goals that the Bruins have gotten from their defensemen, which has been 11, they've been great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that Bruins defensemen are putting shots on, but they're going to need goals from their offensive skilled players. They're really going to need it. They're going to need it in this series. I'll give you the numbers. Um, the top five goal scorers for the, for the Bruins. You have two defensemen in your top five. Johnny Boychuk and Tori Krug, both with four goals apiece. Top five for the Penguins. No defensemen whatsoever no defenseman uh, with any goals in the Pittsburgh top five let me read you the top five for Boston Nathan Horn at the top with five he's tied with Krejci at five as well Boychuk there's your four Krug four and then Gregory Campbell ends up with three you have on the other side with the Penguins Pascal Dupuis with seven Sidney Crosby with seven James Neal with six Jerome McGinley with four 
and uh, Chris Kunitz ending up with four as well. So, and even Monken has four. Might as well throw him in there too. So, I mean, even he has four. So, I mean, whew, I mean that's it's a lot of firepower. I, you know, I want to focus on the bottom of the Bruins sheet as well. Guys like Tyler Sagan and Yarmir Yager. Two goose eggs on the board for those guys. Lower on the list with a couple goals is Brad Marchand. Only two. Milan Lucic. I mean, he's got three, but, I mean, Bertrice Bergeron, three, okay. I mean, you're going to have to get more of an effort. I like David Krejci having five. I like Nathan Horn having five. Got to get more. Especially Tyler Sagan and Yarmir Yager. Let's talk a little bit about Yarmir Yager for a second. He was basically invisible for the first series against Toronto. He was practically invisible. You never saw him. He was out there, but never really did anything. Didn't develop any plays like he like he's been doing recently. And he really was just invisible. But then Claude moves him up to the second line with Marshawn Bergeron. And he's actually getting chances. And maybe it's just the, maybe it was just the matchup with New York. Maybe for some reason it was just the New York team or the New York system which allowed Yarmir Yager to sweep in and get some chances. Who knows? And then maybe if they keep him on that second line against Pittsburgh, he'll get stopped. But he looked a lot better and he was more involved in the game. And he set up a lot of plays. When he was at, not just, you know, him for scoring goals, but he was helping out his teammates to score goals a lot as well. So, or at least get in position with goals. So, I want to see Claude. If I was Claude, I'd keep him on that second line. I would like to see them keep that line together because Yarmir Yager is becoming so close time and time and time again to getting goals. Um, he has four assists. But he's been so close to putting the puck in the net multiple times. And he's just missing by this much. So I keep him on that line still. I'd really like to see him you know, go off in this series. I'd really love to see him get a few goals against his former team. And maybe that's going to be a huge push for him. Maybe once he goes back and knows that he's playing against the Penguins, it'll be a huge push for him. Um, so I'd love to see that. But who knows? Maybe it won't, but I- I'd love to see that. I would also love to see them keep... Krug and Barkowski out there. I think they've helped tremendously. And they're the hot hand right now. Obviously, you have Andrew Ferentz, who's going to be ready if you need him. And then obviously, you have Wade Redden as well. So, two veterans. Even though it's the veterans against the, you know, the rookies, do you want to, you know, who do you want to keep out there? You know, do you want to keep some experienced guys that have been in that situation before? Wade Redden was in the 2006 Eastern Conference Finals. He went to the 2006 Stanley Cup Finals. So, and ended up losing against Anaheim. So, I mean, if you want to keep them out there, I mean, the experience of Wade Brennan, if you want Andrew Ferentz, you know, I mean, he's won a cup. He was in you know, a couple of Stanley Cup finals. He was in one with Calgary. So, do you want them out there? You know, I guess you could. But at least for me, and I think this just goes with all sports, ride the hot hand. Until Tory Krug starts going cold, until Matt Barkowski starts giving up some huge, huge plays, Keep going with those two guys. I think it's important too. I think that all the time in sports, got to go with the hot hand. Until Tory Krug flames out, keep him on there. And then if he does, if all of a sudden Tory Krug stops being effective, then at least you know, okay, we have Andrew Ferentz right behind him. Or we have Wade Renn right behind him. So I would keep both guys in the lineup right now and keep Ferentz and Renn off to the side and just go right with those two guys at this moment. Because, like I said, hot hand. You gotta ride the hot hand. And pretty much in all situations in sports. And I think it will work out here. And who knows, maybe that's one of the things Pittsburgh's gonna focus on. And they'll completely take Tory Krug out of the game. Who knows? But uh, at least this point, I'd keep him in there. And then you can adjust on the fly when, once you get to the series. 
And one last thing I want to address before we uh, get into the talk to Jake. The storyline from this series of Jerome McGinley. That's like the big storyline of the series. You got a lot of different storylines. You got Matt Cook that's still there. Cam Nidley, now the president of the team, you know, got his career ended by Ulf Samuelson, who used to play on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Bruins, Cam Neely got prevented from winning a couple cups when they went, when they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals in the early 90s. But this is the storyline that's going to take, this, this is the storyline that's going to go up above all those different ones. And it's because he chose them over us. If you're a Bruins fan, if you're a Bruins player, you know, you know, I used to love Jerome McGinley. He was one of the ultimate hockey guys that I would always point to. We'll get to the NBA in a minute, but with all these NBA crying babies, I'd be like, you know, look at a guy like Jerome McGinley. You know, he's played his entire career for the most part. I'm pretty sure he did in Calgary. And he's just a tough player, you know, great guy in the media. Just, you know, one of the, you know, he's just one of the prime examples of what a hockey player should be. I used to love him for it. And I used to always say, damn, that guy deserves to win a Stanley Cup every once. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, everyone deserves it to win every once in a while. But he deserves to win it at least once because he's, he's just a consummate professional. I lost all respect for him. I hate him. I hate Jerome McGinley now. I don't know if I hate him more than Sidney Crosby, but I certainly hate him. He's one of those guys on that team where I, I hate him a lot. I just, I cannot stand Jerome McGinley now. I lost all respect for him after he did that. The deal was done with the Bruins, and he said, nope, I want to go to Pittsburgh, and he looked at the Boston Bruins. He looked at the spoke to be. He looked at the city of Boston and said, F you, gave us the finger, turned his back, I'm going to Pittsburgh. So... Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be a great storyline if the Bruins beat the Penguins? Sorry, Jerome, you chose wrong. Sorry, we're going to the Stanley Cup Finals. You're staying home, and you're denied a cup again because you decided to go play with the best in the world, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and all those other eight holes over on the Penguins. So, oh man, that stuff just gets me going. I would love to see that. Jerome again denied of a Stanley Cup by the team that he chose not to go to. That, oh my god, that would just be amazing. Amazing. So, uh, that's going to do it for this break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go into the uh, NBA and the talk to take. Uh, just one last takeaway. I, I think that the Bruins, you know, it's going to be a tough series. By no means is it going to be a runaway. But I think that the Bruins will be able to uh, pull this one out in, in, you know, in seven games and make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, for the second time in three years, which would be unbelievable for this team. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then once we come back, NBA talk. Ugh, I, I'm just throwing up at the sight, throwing up at that sound of talking about the NBA. That's coming up next.
All right, we're back in here on Sports Talk, the talk to take coming up right now, and uh, we're gonna get into it about the NBA. And you know, I, I mean, when I wrote the show prep, it says you know, talk to take NBA is a joke. Well, it really is. I mean, that goes without saying. I am so glad that the Bruins are in the Eastern Conference Finals, even if they, you know, they don't win. You're basically almost guaranteed. Well, you're never really guaranteed in the playoffs, but. You know, it's really leaning towards, even if they lose, it's at least going to be a long series. So at least I get a couple of good, solid weeks here of more hockey, even if they lose, which obviously I don't want to see that happen. But even if they do, at least I don't have to care about the freaking NBA. And so I love that the Bruins are still alive. And this was what happened last year, was that the Bruins lost in the first round. So it's like... I mean, I had to freaking watch the Red Sox. I had to, <laughs> nothing bad against the Red Sox, just, well, last year. But, I mean, the games are way too long. We'll get into that later on in the summer. And then, of course, I had to watch the NBA, which was, you know, god-awful. So, I mean, I'm so glad that the Bruins are in the Eastern Conference Finals. So glad that I get more hockey, a real sport. So, I just wanted to bring this up. I mean, the Pacers-Heat series is now tied at two. And people are truly believing that the Pacers have shot at winning this series. Let me tell you something. They don't. The NBA wants Miami and San Antonio. It was a nice story for Indiana and Memphis to be in both of the conference finals. Yeah, I you know, I like that at least they got there. But neither of those teams will ever make it to the finals in the next few years. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's Le- it's LeBron era and that's the way it is. You know, organically stuff happens. Organically the NFL has different dynasties. You know, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Patriots. You know, that kind of, you know, it's organic. It doesn't, you know, it's not fixed. In the NBA, they like to fix it. They like to say, okay, now it's going to be LeBron James's era. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it happens. It, that that happens organically. You either win them or you don't. <laughs> that, that, you know, that doesn't, that's not the way it works. That's not the way sports works. That, you know, it just happens. You know, you don't fix it to get what you want. That's what the NBA wants. They want to look back and open up their yearbook, you know, and they want to open up the record book and say, ah, the LeBron James era. Like, that's what they want. And maybe they don't have the faith in them to actually go up there and have them win it themselves, so they rig it. And it's just like, anyone who actually watches the NBA and really loves it, ah, man, I feel, feel sorry for you, number one, and... You know, I wish that I could turn you to hockey. I try to turn people to hockey so much because it's just far and away such a better sport. And the NHL, as much as I, you know, Gary Bettman, the NHL, the lockout, you know, all that crap and everything, it's still light years ahead of the NBA. Way ahead of the NBA. And just people that think that the refs rigged the game, uh, the four, game number four for the Heat to lose, please. All they care about is having the Heat in the finals. So they don't care. It could have been a sweep. <clears throat> the Western Conference Finals was a sweep. If they really wanted to rig it so Indiana would have a long series with Miami, is there a reason why they didn't rig it so that San Antonio would have a long series with Memphis? Hello? You play? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, are you kidding me? There's, there's no there's, there's no re- there's no need for that. You're going to have the markets of Miami and San Antonio in the finals. That's more than enough. They're, they don't need a long series in these two conference finals. Come on. But, uh, all right, let's go back. I mean, LeBron gets the call at the end of the game. It was a moving screen violation. Under a minute left to go. The, the Heat are down by four, I believe it was. And he gets the moving screen violation. Now, I'm not going to lie. 
you know, in a situation like that in the fourth quarter, whether it's football, hockey, basketball, the refs should swallow the whistle. Always. Under under two minutes, definitely, but at least under a minute. Swallow the whistle. Unless it's an egregious, flagrant foul, swallow the whistle. Do not call that. So, technically, was it the right call? Yeah, it was a moving screen violation, but you can't blow a whistle at that point in the game. You just can't. You can't do it. So, the thing that pissed me off is that LeBron James has the league tailor-made for him. It's his league, it's his era, it's his time. We talked about it's rigged. It's his time, it's his era. He gets breathed on, and it's a foul. Every single time he goes to the hoop, barely gets touched, and it's a foul. So every time he gets these BS calls for him, and he says nothing. The one time he gets a BS call called against him, he's gonna cry about it? Come on. That league is so painful to watch when guys I mean just look at LeBron James expression when 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 it gets the foul call I know it was a BS call but this happens all the time it doesn't matter what point in the game it happens you know it's just like oh what did I do oh come on oh, so stupid I didn't do it it's so painful oh oh my god it is the most painful league to watch it, it's pathetic it's pathetic you want to watch a real sport watch hockey Honestly, watch hockey. Another reason that the NBA sucks. It's because the refs can have such an influence on what happens. They can have a huge impact on what happens during the game. To the point where it can get it can get rigged. It can definitely get rigged. At a point like that in the game, they're down by four. A moving violation like that, game over. So they can rig the game and they can rig it during the game. You really can't do it that much in hockey. Hockey, more of a bounce of the puck sort of game. You can't really do that. You can have a BS call at the end of the game like they did last night in Game 7 of the Western Conference uh, semifinals between the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. You had Yalmerson got had a call. He had a clear goal. It was great. And then it was a call against Chicago. I believe it was an interference call or a roughing call or a boarding call. They checked one of the Detroit players into the bench and so... The goal was waved off. So I guess you could say right there, oh, it's rigged. But at the same time, it's harder to do in the NBA. I mean, in the NHL. So there, more of my point, you know, don't watch basketball. I mean, if you do, you know, great. You know, if that's, if, if you really are passionate about basketball in the NBA, you know, I'm not, you know, good for you. But I mean, it's just like, I would love to turn you on to hockey. I would love for you to just open your eyes and just see how bad that league is and how there's no reason to you to watch that league because for the next three for the next like five years I can tell you who's gonna win the heat done no reason to watch end of story close the book it's over you don't need to watch anymore because that's what's gonna happen year after year after year the heat are gonna be there and hey you know maybe they won't win if the finals every single year maybe you know OKC will get a good team with Kevin Durant they'll win it or maybe San Antonio will win it this year but they're always at least going to be in it and more often than not, they'll probably win it. So fans of teams that aren't the Heat or the Thunder or the Spurs, I mean, it's just so hard to it's so hard to watch. Uh, I mean, I can go all all day. I can go on and on with the NBA, but that's just bored of it. It's just like it's hard to watch and it's rigged and I you know, don't watch it. One and then one of the things is like, do you hate basketball? I don't hate basketball. I mean basketball is okay. I mean, for me, it's all right. It's more in the NBA. I let the NBA and the corrupt nature of the NBA and the pathetic nature of the NBA to corrupt my thoughts on basketball, the sport. The pure sport of basketball can actually be pretty good. When basketball gets good, it can get really good. But the NBA just washes over that 
completely. And it just makes it unwatchable to me. I can't watch the NBA because it's just like all, you know, the referees, you know, the, the players, the entitled players with the calls. Ugh. It just, ugh. I just cannot stand it. And I'm not going to say that NHL players don't cry about calls. They do, but it's not as egregious as it is in the NBA. So, ugh. Please. I, I'm so done with that league. Ugh. I have been for a while, but I just cannot watch anything with the NBA. It's just so, so difficult. Ugh. My God. And so that's a huge reason why I just don't like um, the NBA. Um, so, yeah, like I said, just wrapping up the talk to take, that was more of just what it was. The NBA, a joke, no surprise. One of the things that I would do to change it, I mean, it, it a lot of it goes with the referees. So, obviously, it's a referee union. They're paid. They're, they're never going anywhere. But if they actually did want to change it, and there's no reason for them to change it because the NBA is as big as it's ever been, and it's the second most popular league in the country right behind the NFL, so there's no reason for them to change, because they're not losing money, they're gaining more and more money every single year, and they're gaining more fans every year, because these casual fans don't know, you know what, <laughs> they don't really know, so they just go kind of la-dee-da, oh, LeBron James dunking, oh, okay, this is nice, I'm gonna watch this, so that's basically why, but if, if they really wanted to change, it would have to, have to come with the officials, because all these calls, it's just so... Ugh, it's so egregious. And that would be one way to change it. If they actually changed it, you know, with the officials and all that, and they cleared up all this crap, I'd, you know, it would actually be really entertaining. And I'd watch. Because, like I said, the pure sport of basketball is okay to watch. But with the NBA, I just can't do it. Okay, that went on a long time. Uh, at least at the time of this recording. I don't know how much of it I'm going to keep. I'm about oh, 46 minutes. I don't know how much of it I'll keep in the show. But uh, that is all the time we have for today. I do want to thank everybody for listening. But before I go, I do want to mention the YouTube thing that I had already talked about at the beginning of the show. Yes, last year, if you're a long fan of the Sports Talk podcast, I did a vlogging YouTube channel last year. Well, I've changed it up a lot. It's not the same channel. It's a a brand new channel. And what I do is I do sports gaming videos. So I I play sports video games and I commentate over them. I would really love if you could go check it out. I'm putting basically everything into this, and I would really love it if you could go check it out and uh, subscribe. Go look at all the videos. I do a lot of, right now I do NHL, WWE. What I want to do too is do a lot of uh, sports play-by-play commentary too. I would like to do that because that's one of the things that I like to do, and so I put that on the channel as well. Go over there and check it out and subscribe and like the videos that you see. Go check it out at least at least once because I am putting a lot into it. Uh, so that is the venture for the summer. Podcasting right here on podbean.com, Sports Talk with Ryan Ferrant, and doing the YouTube channel as well. We are finally going to wrap up the show here on this Thursday. I do want to thank everybody for listening and uh, for sticking with the podcast. And if you listen to the live shows uh, on Newberry College Radio over the school year, thank you so much. We're going to be having more of those in September when we go back to school. Going to be updating podcasts every single week, at least once a week. So the time that we come back for the next podcast, we're going to be knee deep into the Bruins and the Penguins series. And there's going to be a lot of stuff to analyze, different games to analyze. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, But until then, I do want to thank you for watching again. And I hope you have a great weekend this weekend. And hope you have a great week next week. Go check out the YouTube channel. Um, But yeah, until next time, we will uh, talk to you later. Bye-bye.